Hey listener, this is She Achieved Podcast with me, Albin Bennett. This podcast is about conversations with extraordinary women in Northeast Mississippi and beyond who had the courage to follow their inner calling. Despite the challenges they encountered, whether in business or community, they consistently and relentlessly pursued greatness. Success can take on many forms and looks differently depending on who you ask, but achieving success is something all of us can do. She Achieved is about inspiring you to chase your dreams and aspirations, just like the ladies I've been interviewing. These amazing women are sharing their stories so you can be empowered to achieve your greatness and become who you were created to be. I am so excited to be able to create a bigger impact for you and others, and I hope these stories of She Achieved will be as impactful to you as they are to me. Hey, everybody. Before we jump into today's podcast, I want to ask you sincerely to leave me a five-star review. I am working extremely hard to deliver this podcast every two weeks. I want to have great guests and really serve you, and it's free. The only thing I ask is that if you're able to leave me a five-star review on iTunes, I would be incredibly grateful. Thanks so much. Welcome to She Achieved Podcast, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining me today to to give us a little bit about your background, who you are, and of course, cooking as a first language business that you started a couple of years ago. So welcome. Thank you, Alvin. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for asking me to do this. I'm honored. I can't wait to share your story with our listeners and how fitting it is that we're in this beautiful kitchen. And I I know that if you're listening to us on the podcast, you don't see it, but it truly is beautiful. So thank you for having us today. So before we jump right into cooking as a first language, Mm -hmm. why don't you give our listeners a little bit um, about yourself, your background, just so they can get uh, an image of who you are. And then we'll jump into um, talking about all the other things that you are a part of. Absolutely. So I am a mom. I have three kids. My household is crazy right now, but fun. Um, and I'm also a speech pathologist part-time in at Milam Elementary in Tupelo Public Schools. So that's what my degree is in. That's what my uh, education was. My training <laughs> uh, is in speech language pathology. And so I do that part-time. But my first passion, I would say, is just anything food-related, anything that um, involves bringing people together, creating community, especially over food. Lived in Mississippi. I was born in, I grew up in, I was born in Tupelo, but I grew up in Ripley. Um, We, my husband and I went uh, to Jackson for seven years for his medical training and then lived in Birmingham for two years for fellowships. And that was just a really special time and I enjoyed being in those cities. Um, but glad to be back in Tupelo for him to settle down for his career and um, just glad to be part of the Tupelo community because it's a wonderful town full of wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up with, you know, my mom was always just showing hospitality to people, cooking good food, um, just, you know, caring for people through food. So I've, I've always seen that growing up. Um, and I didn't really cook much when I was younger. I didn't, we didn't really get into that until... I was at Ole Miss and um, with my husband, we were both at Ole Miss and we just didn't have any money back then. So we couldn't, we couldn't go like every weekend to eat on the square, you know, but we would make our date night 
uh, just we watched Food Network a lot and we would try recipes that we saw on Food Network and that's when we both got into cooking together. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so that's when I kind of developed my passion for food. Before you started cooking as a mm -hmm. first language, mm -hmm. so that is, that's probably the beginnings of you falling in love with food and, and being um, around it with, with mm -hmm. your family upbringing mm -hmm. and then you and your husband. But what about the in-between before you started cooking as a first yeah. language? Like, what are some of your experiences there before you transitioned into this being um, more than just a passion? Yeah, well, that's a good question. So um, when I was in Jackson, I started a food blog just because I would get so excited about creating a new recipe. And I would just yeah. write a blog about it, share the recipe, and it was just fun. And then um, when I lived in Birmingham, I got involved through my church with um, this it was like a short-term housing place for families who had fallen on a hard time and they would be there for maybe like a month or two. And so we mm -hmm. would go into that place and cook a meal um, like once a week or something. And, and I just, like we would eat with them. We would actually eat with them. And I just noticed that like I have, I don't, I have no idea what these people have, are going through right now or what they've been through recently. But it's like it didn't matter because we could have a conversation about the food we were eating or about food that we liked. And I just thought how powerful that is that I don't like, I just met this person. I don't know anything about their background, but we can have this whole conversation while we're sharing a meal. So that was kind of the first time I was really hit by that. And then I was, I was doing the food blog all throughout that time um, just for fun. And then when we moved to Tupelo, I still have the food blog going and you know we have a lot of Japanese families here because of the Toyota plant which I think is really cool um, and some my kids were friends with some Japanese kids at school and their mom saw my food blog just on Facebook and just they reached out to me one day and said hey can you teach us a cooking class um, to like teach us some recipes that we that people make around here and just talk about like in the grocery store where you find the ingredients for like a recipe that's common in Tupelo. And so I thought, well, I mean, I've never taught a cooking class before, but I guess I can try. <laughs> I mean, okay. And um, so we just like planned on a day in time. And then um, up until that day in time, we had only been talking to each other on Facebook Messenger and they had the translator app. And when oh. they showed up on my doorstep, I realized they didn't speak <laughs> any English. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a challenge, but okay, I guess we're doing this. But it was so powerful and inspiring because as soon as we got in my kitchen and started preparing food together, it was like we didn't need to speak the same language. It was like the food prep was our primary mode of communication. And so that's where the, the name cooking as a first language comes from. It's like if, if speaking is not our first language, cooking can become our first language. This is the part that I get so excited about anytime I do a presentation about cooking as a first language. Just the number of cultures that we have represented here in Tupelo in these cooking classes. That is just so inspiring to me. I'm just so thrilled that Tupelo is a diverse community. Mm -hmm. um, so I probably won't think of them all. I'll try to name all of them, but it's been over 20 cultures. Wow. So these are the classes we've had. Let's see. Japanese, um, Indian, Korean, Bangladeshi, Venezuelan, Dominican Republic, Thai, Cuban, Caribbean, Greek, Moroccan, um, Syrian. What else? I know there's more. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing oh, that awesome. that many people um, from all over the world live in Tupelo. Italian, Portuguese. 
Nigerian, um, let's see, I know there's more, but yeah, that, that's, oh, to me, it. that's just the most inspiring part of what I do. And yeah. that's why I do what I do, because oh, I'm so it. happy that we have all those cultures in Tupelo. Mm-hmm. So I love how that, what has been the funnest dish to make this far? Oh, I, know. I know it's hard to choose. You've had, you it's just so, so hard. Things. It is so hard to choose. Um, I just, my, one of my favorites is Indian food. I just love the Indian class. It's to me, Indian food is just perfect. I love it so much. But, um, my friend that's from the Caribbean, she is the person who has influenced, um, the way I cook in the kitchen the most. Mm. Um, she just uses really fresh, fun ingredients, uh, a salad dressing recipe that she made up. It's the only salad dressing that I make now. Um, she makes this wonderful salmon dish and I, her Caribbean food is probably the most fun. When I think of fun food, it would be the Caribbean food because it's so fresh and flavorful. That passion and that transition turned into what you have now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you started with a cooking blog and you have always been interested in food. And so you are a foodie. I'm a foodie. Um, and now it has really um, flourished into something amazing that we have here. And I know you have explored different variations of how to expand that because it's, yes. it's more than just really a business. Mm-hmm. It's really a connector and you really want to bring this to mm-hmm. other communities. So what has that to. journey been like? I mean, it's been hard and it's been frustrating because I have this passion and I feel like it's a big idea and I have, you know, tried to pursue franchising. Um, I even became an LLC. So we became a nonprofit and I think it's appropriate for us to be a nonprofit. But at one time I thought, well, maybe I should be an LLC. Maybe it would help um, some of these big plans I have. But then I kind of just, I haven't been able to really kind of break through with that. Maybe it's just not the right time for Mm -hmm. me to do that. And I'm just that's fine. I'm just going to keep it going in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to someday see it grow to other places. It's been a journey, yeah. but I think it's just the journey's still going. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. you're trying to figure it out, and that's the beautiful part. Mm-hmm. You're, it's trial and error, as it is yeah. in any business. Mm-hmm. And with you yeah. especially, you know, with trying to figure out, do I need to be a nonprofit? Mm-hmm. Do I need to be a mm-hmm. business? But the beautiful part about all of this is that you're taking action and you're doing something about mm-hmm. it and you're trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. For our listeners that are not familiar with cooking as a first language, let's dive a little bit about that. Like what it is exactly and mm-hmm. how you do it in our community. Just Absolutely. give them an overview. Absolutely. So it is a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to break down barriers between cultures and bring people together over food. Um, the way that we pursue that mission is by having cooking classes at least once a month, if not twice a month. I would love to do them much more, but sometimes I can just get like one time a month just because I'm busy. But, um, (laughs) and so every cooking class is taught by a Tupelo community member who is from another country or culture. And it allows them the opportunity and a safe space to share their culture um, and just build relationships and then allows People, other people in our community, just the opportunity to experience another culture through flavors, yeah. Yeah. which is something we all enjoy. It's, you know, it's a universal language. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you uh, rely on your network and your relationships in getting these individuals? Yes. Like that mm-hmm. is 
has grown tremendously, but how do you find out about people or how do people find out about you? So a lot of these classes have happened just because of word of mouth. People have just reached out to me and said, Hey, I just met this person that moved here from the Dominican Republic. Um, or I know so-and-so makes this really good dish that I think they should do a cooking class and I'll just reach out to them and I'll say, Hey, this is what I do. Would you be interested in this? And a lot of times they are, you know, sometimes people don't really want to, and that's fine. There's no pressure, um, you know, but I'm always looking for people to teach the classes and I'm always interested if somebody has an idea of somebody to let me know about, I'll reach out to them. Um, but it's, it's kind of just, it's grown because of word of mouth. Now we have of course, social media pages. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook and I send out a, a newsletter anytime there's a new event. So if somebody wanted to give me their email address, I can add it to that email list. Um, but yeah, it's just been community really. What has been the funnest dish to make this far? I know it's hard to choose. You've had, you just made so so hard. It is so hard to choose. Um, I just, my, one of my favorites is Indian food. I just love the Indian class. It's to me, Indian food is just perfect. I love it so much. But, um, my friend that's from the Caribbean, she is the person who has influenced um, the way I cook in the kitchen the most. Mm. Um, she just uses really fresh, fun ingredients, uh, a salad dressing recipe that she made up. It's the only salad dressing that I make now. Um, she makes this wonderful salmon dish and I, her Caribbean food is probably the most fun. When I think of fun food, it would be the Caribbean food because it's so fresh and flavorful. What, what has been most challenging this far in this entire process for mm. you? I guess just kind of the, like, you know, going back and forth on the franchising or going back and forth on, well, is an LLC, is a nonprofit, trying to figure out a business model. Because mm-hmm. I'm not really, I don't feel skilled in that. I'm just the idea person. I'm the creative person. I'm also the only person running it. I do have people who help me sometimes with classes, which I really appreciate. But as of right now, I don't have like anybody kind of like as acting as a visionary with me, I guess. And I like, I don't know. I guess that's kind of been the the biggest struggle is trying to figure out how far I want to take it or how serious I want to be about it. Yeah. And like I said, I just, it may not be the time for me to be mm-hmm. really serious about that because I have three young kids Yeah. and right now I'm doing all that I can do. Um, I feel like I'm doing all that I can do, yeah. but I'm keeping it going. I'm yeah. maintaining it. Yeah. And you know, I'm always going to have that dream, um, of doing something with it. Maybe some, uh, another time there'll be an opportunity. I don't know. I had another thought about the challenges part of it. Okay. Um, just like wanting cooking as a first language to grow, wanting to either franchise or just, I don't know if franchise is even the right word. Maybe it would just be like having like sister chapters or something in other towns. Yeah. Um, just feeling very overwhelmed by the desire to do that and like the passion for cooking as a first language and feeling like it is kind of like a big thing that I feel like could, could grow. Um, I get, I have gotten frustrated and overwhelmed, not really knowing what to do to make that happen. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's been a, that's like kind of the biggest yeah. struggle, I guess. 
You've mentioned your family a lot. And, you yeah. know, I, I think the work-life balance is a myth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really do. I yeah. think for women, I don't know who came up with that terminology, um, but I really do think it's a, it's a myth and it's more like seasonal and it's, it's just the capacity that we're able to do. And it always depends on our circumstances, mm -hmm. you know, especially as a young woman with a young mm -hmm. family. Um, how do you juggle that? Do you have, like, like, what do you do when you have to juggle all the things, you yeah. know, when you have to juggle your cooking classes and your community involvement and yeah. your three kids and all of their activities yeah. and, yeah. and like personal time, personal space for you. Right. Like, mm -hmm. what, what do you do to, you know, um, stay sane? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I will say, thankfully, um, my family is supportive and everybody, everybody in my family loves cooking as a first language. So my husband will come to the classes and he'll clean up after the class is over. He, he does that pretty much every time. My kids love it. They're all about it. Um, thankfully, my parents live here in Tupelo. Yeah. So they, they help me a lot. <laughs> I'm very thankful for that. Um, and then, I, I mean, I would just say as far as staying keeping my sanity exercise is a mm -hmm. huge, huge thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like I have to run, I have to get those endorphins at least four times a week or I will go nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, yeah. I, I have to make time for that. And it, I mean, having kind of a, a schedule for that, just knowing like on certain days I'm going to do this workout at this time. Mm -hmm. And it's always like that. Like it's built into my schedule. That's so important. Making yourself a priority too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. I think there's, th there's that balance of that. And of course, if it's not on your calendar and I know I live by my calendar. Yeah. So if it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. Right. Or if it's not a routine, Yeah, you know, it's so difficult. We see, I, I see so much on social media, like choose your heart, that entire saying of, yeah. you know, it's hard to exercise, mm -hmm. but it's hard mm -hmm. to be sick too. Yeah. And like, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's, it's all of those right. things put together with, do you have any mentors or individuals that you have looked up to um, that have really inspired you on your journey? So I went to a food blogger conference in Alaska one year and I met this really awesome person. Um, she's a doctor, but she's also a chef. Like oh, wow. she's, she was a doctor, but she went to culinary school. Um, her name is Julia Nordgren. She lives in California. She's published a cookbook and I just got to be really close with her on that trip and we've kind of stayed in touch. I haven't talked to her in a while, but um, I would like to publish a cooking as a first language cookbook. And so she's been really encouraging um, kind of in that process in life. You know, my husband is so awesome. He is just mm -hmm. like such a rock solid presence in my life. I don't know what I do without him. Um, it, he's amazing and supportive. And yeah, well, that's so important too. Mm -hmm. I, I've got a rock star too. And I think, I think some of us couldn't do what we can do mm -hmm. um, without that support. Yeah. And if I had to guess, a lot of women in our position are probably very similar. Mm -hmm. I even watched an interview between like Oprah and Gail King mm -hmm. and she divorced her husband because he was not supportive of yeah. her talk show. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. Oprah like straight up asked her and said, Hey, do you think you'd be where you're at today if you were still you know, married or with this individual. And she was mm -hmm. like, there, no, there's no way. He yeah. wasn't supportive. He was right. ready for it to be over. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes in our decision mm -hmm. making of who we are around and who we choose as a partner. Mm -hmm. um, that is so critical and important because, mm -hmm. you know, you have so many hats and you do so many things and, um, you know, it, it's a way 
you know, for us mm-hmm. to achieve everything that we want to. We can't do it all alone. Right, right. You know, that's why it's so yeah. important to build teams too, yes. you know, and, and the corporate world talks about that mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. And you have these different personalities and different skill sets that right. each individual brings. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it beautiful. Mm-hmm. And speaking of skills and um, <clears throat> the things that you bring to the table, what do you think are some of the skills that you bring to the table that have allowed you to be successful in what you have achieved this far. I know we've talked about like the personal passion piece mm-hmm. of it, but what, what stands out for you that you think have, has helped you like elevate and go to the next level? I think um, probably my personality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just very extroverted. I really like people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like to be friendly to people and I like to be inclusive and embracing of other people who are different from me. What advice would you give to a woman mm-hmm. who is passionate about something but has not taken any of the steps? She has not taken it to the next level. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to someone who is in that position? Pursue it in ways that are doable. Mm, that's good. Start out small, like, and then, you know, it can and then do more as you go along. It can grow more as you go along. Um, I guess just go for it in ways that are doable. Start out small would be mine. I love that. Mm-hmm. Some, so many of us, we, we look at it as the huge, gigantic elephant yeah. in the room. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they always, what's that saying about how do you eat an elephant one bite yeah. at a time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what it just literally reminded me of right. when you said that. Right. But that is such great advice uh-huh. because we get overwhelmed. We, we stay in our head. Mm-hmm. We don't get out of our head and we think we have to have it all figured out. And so we yeah. want to go through everything. But sometimes it's the journey, right? Mm-hmm. It's the beginning and, you know, beginning and end is what most people see. Yeah. They don't see everything in between. So I love that. Right. That's fantastic right. advice. Mm-hmm. What's it like being a career and an entrepreneur? Like you're split, like you're split between the two worlds. Yeah. So yeah. like, you know, what, what has that been like or what advice would you give to someone in a similar situation? So um, I, I have really enjoyed working part-time. That's been really helpful. I know that not everybody can do that. I'm, I don't take that lightly. And I, I really am thankful that I can do that part-time with mm-hmm. the, um, the career that I have my degree in, <laughs> which I do enjoy. I mean, I love working at Milam and doing um, speech therapy with the kids there because I love the kids there and I love the um, all my coworkers at Milam. I love being there. Um, and then, you know, this cooking as a first language is kind of interesting because it's something that happens usually on the weekends or the weekend nights. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that I have to interrupt my day job to do. You know, um, so it's been easy to balance and I've just really enjoyed it because I feel like having that structure with my job, my speech pathology job, like it makes me more motivated to work on something for cooking as first language because I have tried not working at all Mm -hmm. and I just cannot do that. (laughs) I'm not, I have to have some structure to my week. I can't Mm -hmm. be home all day, every day. Because back when I did that, I just like, I thought, I kind of thought I wanted to do that after COVID hit. I thought, okay, well, I'll just stay home for a while. I think like, but then the opportunity came up at Milam and I was like, sign me up. I just got to get back out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's been nice to have that structure. The, the cooking classes are just so fun. And I hope that people in Tupelo who haven't done one yet will come try one soon. They can follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And they can always send me their email address if they want me to add them to the email newsletter. 
Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, Lauren, this has been a pleasure. What a treat. Thank you so much for coming on the show Mm -hmm. and sharing all of your insights with all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. And we really can't wait to see what all you accomplish and do in the future. You've already achieved so much. I don't know. The sky's the limit for you. Thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. Glad to be here.